I believe this is where my theory gets crazy. So please, uh, you know, you can call me out on it. But I believe that we're all light experiencing life through bodies, which means at some point you become infinite, kind of like that last moment of your life. Oh boy. Hello and welcome back. This is The Meaning of Life. I am Ryan Beck and I'm very excited to bring you today's episode because I get to talk to a friend of mine, obviously another friend of mine, yes, but I don't want to bum rush strangers and say, what is the meaning of life? You know, I got to just like ease in. So I'm talking to a lot of entertainers, a lot of friends of mine up front because I just want to ease in. But I don't know why I'm being so defensive because you're listening to this and I appreciate you for doing that. But today, Teresa Lee and Teresa Lee has her own podcast called You Can Tell Me Anything. Today we talk of the meaning of life. We talk uh, living in a simulation. We talk all kinds of just really heady, cool stuff. And Teresa has such great perspective and just is so interesting to talk to about these big topics. And again, this is a thing where I didn't get to, you know, I've known Teresa for years, but we've really talked on like such a good level. And I, I really enjoyed this and I really appreciated her um, just sharing everything that she did. And so I'm very excited to share this interview with you, the listeners. And so let's talk to Teresa Lee. I'm Ryan Beck, and this is The Meaning of Life. Just kidding. I am Teresa <laughs> Lee, um, friend of Ryan Beck uh, from New York City from my first year of stand-up. And who I am, I think that's who I am. That, that captures enough. <laughs> Well, okay, that's what, great. What do other yeah. people say? Are they giving professional credits? I mean, or it's like... been a wide range. It's. I think the only common thing that that question has done is made people freak out. Oh, great. Because I was like, I mean, there's like who I am on the inside. Is there who I am in a professional sense? Like, Are those different? Well, I mean, when people ask for your credits, I never introduce myself at parties with my credits. I'm, you know, I, but, but right. sometimes I'll be like, I love the singularity and talking about space and AI, but I wouldn't give that as my comedy intro although i should oh i like this i like <laughs> this singularity and ai are you this is something you think about a lot too much ryan too much since it's fairly new i mean i've been into interested in ai and machine learning for a few years and like long enough where i was interested and then for a few years is when i've been seriously like reading about it and listening to podcasts and stuff and then since quarantine yeah. started i've been like really merging a lot of my creative like it used to just be a hobby and now it's like my creative work and my quote-unquote comedy if you can even call it that anymore is uh really like taking in some of those themes so it's new to me I don't what really is it know that, well what is it about AI that gravity like has made you gravitate towards it I don't really know anything about it other than when I see robots that Boston Dynamics <laughs> makes, I freak out because they're terrifying. I know. Everybody thinks of robots, and I think that's what kept me away from AI for so long was just the very, um, I don't want to say masculine, but like even growing up, like movies like Blade Runner and RoboCop were not targeted to me, so I never watched them. But what really interests me about it, and I think we're getting to that point, is the emotional side of machine learning like like how would you teach a robot empathy or how would you and if you taught a robot to love you do you have a duty to love it back like questions like that like philosophical questions get me really intrigued I uh truthfully started kind of reprogramming myself not like in a cultish way but how robots learn from um machine learning which is literally like the idea that it's not one equation the system changes as it goes I started mm. retraining my own like sort of habits and like bad patterns from childhood 
through actively like identifying them the way you would with a robot like treating my own brain like a robot so that's really where i got interested in it because it, it started helping how is that how is that work yeah sure i'll give an example um i would love an example i know it sounds like i'm like like literally opening my brain up and pushing buttons but it's not it's way more natural than that because your brain does this automatically we just get stuck in certain bad patterns without actually trying to change them so yeah, one example. Um, okay, so I uh, I have a boyfriend now. <laughs> brag, um, <laughs> but I have like it, it, we're it's a healthy relationship. We're very communicative, but I have a lot of patterns just from childhood. Just you know, it, I love my mom, but a lot of things just I didn't necessarily have a model for um, healthy relationships because she didn't have one either. So not to put all the blame on her, but um, I tend to get a lot of anxiety around long trips, especially like fun trips like vacations or weddings because um pretty much historically every time we've taken a family vacation it's like erupted into some big fight or some just the, sh the shoe has dropped or the rug has been pulled so um last year I went to a wedding with my boyfriend and I started getting a lot of anxiety right before and it was just like in Tahoe we just drove um but I was feeling so much anxiety that I told him because I didn't want him to feel weird that I was like, Hey, I'm feeling anxiety. I don't know why. Like, I don't think you've done anything. And I just kind of kept him informed so that it wasn't this thing I buried, but it wasn't enough because on the drive, I just started crying. And this is where I realized I could reprogram because my old habits would be like, Oh, I'm being crazy. Like he hasn't done anything. And a bad, I guess, bad communication with a partner might be like, they might feel defensive, which is, okay to feel like if they're not equipped or they didn't cause the pain they might feel like I need to prove that I didn't cause this but mm -hmm. um god love him he's a great man he um understands where I'm coming from so he was very just stable like stayed himself he didn't get defensive he also didn't like say oh it's all my fault so I just he let me have the emotions and I cried and I kind of talked it through I was like I think that I'm feeling this because I feel like things are going so well and my brain has this pattern that every time I take a trip it goes bad. And I realized that even if things go well to the last day, I'm going to be expecting the shoe to drop. So I'm already feeling like I can't have fun because whether I, if I wait, then I might like, I might as well, you know, might as well pick a fight now and get it over with, but then that's a bad pattern. So when I told him this, he just like, it changed the pattern. Cause I never had an open space to talk about this. And he listened and understood and said, I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. Like I, if there's anything I could do, I'm, you know, here to help. And I really don't want you to think that I'm not happy being here. Like, but he also didn't overdo it by being like, I love you so much. Like nothing can go wrong. Cause he was like, right. I don't know. Things can go wrong. It won't be my goal. Um, so after we talked about that and I cried, um, I felt so much better. And then we had a lovely trip and I didn't feel anxious at all. And it went really, really well, but I don't think I would have been able to let go of that feeling if I knew, like, I would have known that it was in my head, but I wouldn't have let go of it. And it would infiltrated the whole weekend. So that's an example. Yeah. 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 That's so fascinating because it is like that with anxiety or like, um, I get like a lot of compulsive thoughts where mm -hmm. just it sticks and you can't let it go and it, you know, manifests in some bad way. But I think, um, it's so interesting to like, you, I mean, basically you're just trying to be very aware of your patterns in your and the things that you don't like about yourself or the things that you feel like you could change mm -hmm. and that's 
what you've linked to like AI and changing it like a computer. <laughs> well, yes, because what you do with AI is you actually feed them new, like even if I knew I wanted to change, if I don't expose myself to new situations, my body won't actually learn. Like computers learn by getting input. So yeah. if I only expose myself to the same pattern of like, you know, maybe someone who couldn't actually communicate with me, I would be reinforcing the bad pattern. But if I reinforce it around people who are giving me space, then every time I feel safe around them, I'm reinforcing a good pattern. And over time, it's not overnight, like I still have triggers, but over time, my body will start to feel safer in those situations and be able to tell when I'm in a bad situation faster instead of like being like, I don't know which one I'm in this time, you know? Yeah. It's like a, a hypersensitive like awareness, right? Mm -hmm. For your situation. And then you say, okay, what's a new input that I can use to change that? Yeah. It's literally, I feel like I'm programming myself, but in a way that I still experience it. Like I, I it's, it's really tricky sometimes because, um, there's a tendency to want to go like, oh, it's not real, you know, like if I know I'm being triggered or having PTSD, but um, that's also very dangerous because it is real. It's just that your body's has to, you know, kind of process some past things. So I think that's where it gets really hard because you have to be okay with having a feeling, even if you know it's irrational, in mm -hmm. order to get to the point where you can feel present. When you have bad feelings like that or you're triggered by something, what is it that you do to, like, is it just like a, a sheer will that you just like, <laughs> I have to feel, I have to acknowledge that I'm feeling this instead of bury, bury it down? Because I think a lot of people's impulse is to bury it down. And I mean, I'm sure that both of us have done plenty of that mm -hmm. in our life. But if you really want to work through it, like you're talking about, is, what is it that you, what's the first step? And processing something like that. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, my first step was burning it down. And when it didn't work and it brought me to rock bottom, I realized I had to change. So then I tried the other thing, which is letting it all out. But then all out all the time is also not good. So now... Yeah, that's a bad pattern kind yeah, of in itself, It's co right? almost codependent. So now I'm at a point where I try to parent myself. Like, I, <laughs> I joke about this, but I think it kind of is true. It's like I'm mommy, daddy, and baby because... Um, when you're growing up, you're supposed to be learning self-regulation from your parents, but it's not their fault if you can't. Like the world is makes it really hard for people to be perfect parents. So chances right. are most people grow up and have to do a little bit of self-parenting to make up for it. So yeah, when I have a... I mean, mm -hmm. you still do. You still have to with your diet and everything yeah. else that you do, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I basically, I listen you... to all the voices is what I'm saying. Like, so if I'm having a breakdown, I don't push it down, but I also don't like I lean into like if baby is crying, then I might for a moment go, oh, I don't want to be crying. But instead of stopping, mommy will come out and be like, do you want ice cream? And then as I'm crying, I'll like get myself ice cream. And like as a mother. Oh, might this is so interesting yeah. to just try to like understand the what the, you know, the ongoings inside of your own body mm -hmm. and address them. So it's like trying to reserve like a rational thought in the midst of all the emotions. It's like everyone's allowed in the car, but I try to let the parents drive instead of kicking the baby out, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not trying to yeah, bury the yeah. feeling, but I... I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's a great metaphor. Yeah. Um, Thanks. <laughs> well, basically, the idea of my podcast is that I'm trying to find the meaning of life okay. by asking people what's meaningful to them and what they think about these big topics and whatever mm -hmm. else, you know. So I want to get to all that stuff, but you mentioned something early about robots <laughs> and like learning to love and all that. And I, it made me just think like, you're so into this now. Mm. 
and I'm sure you've thought about all these philosophical singularity type questions. Like I, my question is if you, does it cheapen the human experience to teach a robot emotions? If you, if that's possible or whatever that means, Hmm. does it make like all of our lives like more or less significant? Well, let me ask you this. What do you consider the human experience? Gosh, I mean, I don't even know what, how you define such a thing. I, I think that's kind of what I'm trying to understand is like the collective human experience, I guess, is that we are born and then we're around here for a while and then we all die. And I'm like, <laughs> why is this happening? And what are we supposed to do while we're here? Oh, man. And what's important to do while we're here, right? Ryan, you, because like, this so is like my pain. favorite topic to talk about. This is the <laughs> stuff that I'm so curious about because there's so many good things. Yeah. Um, there's so many like little nice things that happen in your life. And then there's so many like horribly tragic things. Mm. And it's at some point it's like, what's the, what's going on? What's the point of any of these good or bad? Yeah. Well, okay. I think to answer your question, I would actually look at animals and I know that sounds counterintuitive because they're not quote unquote humans. I think humans put a lot of emphasis on being different from animals yet. It, there's a, there's quite, um, what do you call it cognitive dissonance because if i asked you are humans animals most people say yes because if they're not what are we are we aliens we're not we're not bots but we also feel better than animals like we think animals are primitive but a lot of animals and humans included have instincts to process those kinds of things you're talking about like pain and suffering in a way that catches you up to the present but as human society we've learned to suppress them so i think this is where it gets tricky is like emotions are good too much emotion or too little is bad but emotions itself is not well it's not good or bad it just is and I think we get caught up in like needing to you know be like what's the meaning of all of it instead of what's the meaning of now like in every Mm. moment now you can there's a lesson and there's a way to optimize that moment even if bad stuff's happening there's a way to optimize that moment to learn from it and then later maybe not have that happen again. Um, but we get really caught up in like, for example, in a lot of movies, people will be like, oh, you know, have you seen, um, oh gosh, I just feel like I just watched one. And I can't remember. Oh, uh, uh, Raised by Wolves on HBO. Well, there's a lot of this trope in many movies where it's like you're on a mission and it's like maybe not for the best reasons, but then someone dies who's like part of the team and they're like, we have to keep going or their death will be for nothing. I think humans do that a lot where we're like, instead of going, the death is the sign that we should stop going and they died to save us. Everyone goes, we must make it to the end, this thing we don't believe in anymore. And there's this like urge to find this like big meaning as opposed to the meaning now is that actually their death made me realize like, oh, maybe we were on the wrong path or maybe, you know, so... I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm trying to say like, it's not always about one Yeah, it does. It really does. It, it's kind of like you're trying to to like you're saying with you when you with your emotions you're trying to like center yourself and find the right now how do i move on just past this moment or appreciate this moment as opposed to take on everything at once and yeah and then to tie that back to your robot question i would say i don't think it cheapens the human experience because i believe like i'm not religious but i believe that we're <laughs> i think it would be selfish and silly to believe that as a person, you're the only unique person thinking that thought or doing that thing. And I don't mean that in a sad way. I mean that in a very like 
hopefully positive way, which means if as society we accept and create robots, it's kind of built into our survival. Like it should be for the best. As in, it's not cheapening it, it's actually creating it. It is the human experience. Um, like at, yeah. at one point, humans were created, right? What, whether you believe it's by God or by Big Bang or by light, whatever. It, nothing is, you know, if nothing changed at all, we wouldn't be here. So I think the idea of separating lines of like, you know, between technology and humans is kind of um, moot. It's a, it's a little bit of a fallacy. There's like no ethical issue there for you. No, it's, it's how we it's use like, it. You know, if people, but it's yeah. is it because you don't feel that humans are in any way connected to like a divine power? We just kind of are, and we change things, and we should try to be. Um, well, what why would we why couldn't ro- if humans are connected to a divine power and humans created robots? What makes you think that robots aren't connected to a divine power? That's yeah, okay. I mean, I I think that's a perfectly fine. I feel. I feel, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> I feel like. No, no, I'm just saying. I, I don't know. Display, no, I don't know. No, no, but, I love that. I tried to play like a devil's advocate of no, like no, I just have a question, and then I'm like, oh gosh, yeah, that's a great point. Well, well, I don't I'll, I'll say a, I'll say a stupid <laughs> I'll say a stupid metaphor I saw on TikTok that I don't necessarily believe, but I think it's fun. Is that the vagina is a portal to another world? Like that when babies are born, it's like literally creating life is like an alien and i think it's funny but there's all it's also makes you really question language like what do all these words mean what we don't call it a portal but it could be a portal like it's just language i mean a vagina could be a portal Mm -hmm. like literally a baby appears out of it and pops out and you're like oh welcome it it's that's what a portal is but it sounds silly to call it that right yeah so i think a lot of it's language i think it only cheapens your experience if you are not, if you're hiding a part of your, like if, if you have anything to lose from robots, let's just say this. If you have anything to lose from the truth being made public, then you might need to like be more honest with yourself. And I think a lot of people are afraid of robots because of that. Mm. Yeah. Also, they look too sharp right now. <laughs> I feel like they're they look too hard and scary. Like they're gonna smack. Yeah, me. the Boston but Dynamics. One. Oh, have you seen the dancing? They're just a, like they so they cute. need a a real make them out of pillows first <laughs> is what I think we should do. Make them soft and then we'll figure out the rest. <laughs> well, your phone is a robot, but you don't even feel That's a great you don't point. feel threatened by That's it because it doesn't look at all like a human. No, but it does make me sad most of the day. <laughs> um, so Teresa, if you are like. You're faced with a big question. What is the meaning of life? And you seem to like try to go, well, okay, well, what does today mean? Or what does this interaction mean? And like boil it down. But when you are faced with like the biggest, the big scale, the grand scale, how do you react? Because you say you don't feel religious or um, like, do you feel that there's maybe like a destiny or a purpose that you're supposed to fulfill or Hmm. what? I do. And a lot of this is fairly new. So it's possible I'm like on because it's changing every day because of just how much time I've spent alone thinking that it might change drastically. But where I am now is I kind of have this theory that it's not totally grounded in science, but I'm starting from it to be like, prove me wrong so I can find the truth Um, that we are infinite and singular. And I will explain in lay people terms like when you are born. Before you become conscious, your cells have memory, and that's how they know how to create you, right? Like, there's your D- there's DNA, which doesn't have, like, a brain, but 
it tells you how to you know proteins to it tells you to have t- 10 toes yeah and, and, and it knows yeah. and it and it's kind of beautiful that knows but we just take it for granted but if you think about it when the sperm meets the egg in the fallopian tube and i know it sounds silly to bring this up but it travels for a few days into the uterus before it it's a zygote before it becomes an embryo and when that happens i feel that in the cells and embryo that's the longest journey it's ever been on up until that point because sperm typically die pretty quickly so if you were like, I'm a sperm, I'm living, whatever, and then you suddenly met an egg, it would feel like you went to outer space and you're traveling through kind of like an unknown territory and then you land on a planet, which is like the uterus, and they embed it there and then they feed off the mom's blood for a few days, which feels like colonizing a planet. And at that point, you don't, you're not sentient, but at that point, there's probably some sort of like survival thing built in deep down that at one point colonizing was good for survival and then you're supposed to grow out of it and move on my theory is some people like on some level didn't let go of that and that's why we do have like it's hard to understand why some people really feel the need to colonize in order to feel safe but then you grow up and your baby and blah 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 blah. so then you think of your past life as a a literal life you lived and then died when in reality it could just be that time before you created memories because it almost feels like an eternity like to that little zygote it's like a fucking eternity as you grow and then the moment you die what you know people do dmt and have all these theories about what happens but your brain slows down time like if you've ever been high you know you see how time can kind of change and dilate i think that you as a person might leave the earth but in your brain like your time slows down so much when you die that it doesn't end like every second halves and halves and halves so the world moves on without you, but your brain is literally still in this like having moment, which is hard to understand. But it basically says my theory is that you live forever in your own brain. And in that moment, all your memories, all your beliefs will close their loops. So if you believe in hell, you might go to hell. But if you believe in uh, lovely heaven, you'll s- all those loops that you've created in your life will come together in a very positive way. And you'll be able to be like preserved in that last second of your life uh in heaven wow how did you come that's so heavy i did acid (laughs) oh yeah but and that's what you got out of acid well and then i think a lot about this stuff and i kind of i read a lot okay the ryan i used to write in a diary religiously to the point where as an adult and i was having breakdowns i started going back and reading some of these old diary entries and there's some stuff in there that i really feel like um like 10 20 years ago that I'm like oh I still feel the way now this way now but I let go of caring and then when I read it again I was like I can fix this now I have the tools now to fix what little t was going through and it made me realize that a lot of what I've been thinking all my life as like fantasy or like weird imagination stuff started to actually connect to real life experiences like this like this seems like a funky theory right now well I haven't said funky since I was in like third grade i don't know where that came out of <laughs> maybe it's because we're talking about childhood um yeah maybe but it it's something where i think even if it's not true it'll lead me to the truth and part of me is like well i go back and read my diaries and some of those truths were real i just didn't know until like 10 years later so i like to t- say it all out in case that it's true and if it's not then i'm happy to be proven wrong right and, and so kind of what i'm gathering from that what you're sharing with me is that you do feel like there's an underlying connection between 
life. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. humans, animals, everything with this, like, um, these memories that, uh, how did you, how, how did you put it? Um, past life or I, I do think so. I think we're all connected by the experience of being alive because when you see something alive, like even if it's a plant or, you know, a bird, you, f- you feel that it's alive, right? How do you describe that? Do you see it breathing? Like it, you feel life. Um, yeah. just like you could feel death if you walk into something really shadowy or dark you can feel that as well and it's not just as easy as saying oh that looks like a human like there is something you can't describe and everyone has it do, do you think that there's a point to any of it I mean it's nice to be connected and it's nice to be kind to people and it's nice to, to try to make the most out of things and that's all great right mm. but like what about why yeah, I do think why there's a point. Ha- why? What's the point? I think there's a point. I think um, I think that if you get, I'm not there yet, but I'm sort of, I think on, I, I think I'm on the climb where I can kind of see the path. And I feel if you can see, um, if you've been to lows and then gotten back up and then lows again, you start to recognize the pattern of, it's much easier to get out of lows. When they happen, you recognize that they've happened multiple times and you can get out. And I think what the point is at some point you learn how to avoid just falling so far and you get to this point where you can help others feel that. And yeah, it sounds like a loop, but I believe this is where my theory gets crazy. So please, uh, you know, you can call me out on it, but I believe that we're all light experiencing life through bodies which means at some point you become infinite kind of like that last moment of your life the way Mm -hmm. the way light exists everywhere at once and you can start over but when you start over you don't know that you started over so the point is at one point you ryan or whatever your consciousness is wanted to experience everything you're experiencing the good and the bad and you chose it even though it seems hard to believe because even i can barely believe some of that for myself if I believe that, I think at the end of my life, when it gets better and better, I'll start to go, oh, okay, I would do this better part again, even if it meant I had to go through the bad part. And I think that's the point is to get to that moment of clarity. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I don't think what you're saying sounds crazy. I mean, in Zen kind of uh, Buddhist thinking, it's like about, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but it's like um, akin to like a wave coming into a beach and then mm-hmm. go- going back out. It's like you just return. You just, it's a constant kind of thing where it's like it was water the whole yeah. time, you know? Um, and then the idea, which is true, that we have atoms inside of our bodies that are older than, as old as the Big Bang, like everybody does. And it's all around us. And that's true of like every piece of matter that's in the universe was at one point it was yeah well energy can't all. be created or destroyed right so you're just kind of returning to that but i but you're talking about the lows and then digging yourself out of them and then trying to find a moment of appreciation for the beauty in life mm-hmm. and i wanted to ask about like when you do feel how how do you dig yourself out of that how do you remember that there is beauty to life or how do you process like people are going through especially this past year but just in general like so much trauma Mm. collectively as human beings and we put that on each other we some people internalize it Mm -hmm. what what about a time where you felt really bad and how did you how did you 
dig yourself out of it or maybe that's the wrong verb yesterday um no uh well i <laughs> i think but truthfully i mean that sounds like a joke but actually now that i think about it that it, this might be the answer is i actually try now like i feel i'm at a more peaceful place with my life where i um am able to handle it but i do still get moments like i did have kind of like a bad day yesterday and i didn't like I joked to my therapist about this, but it's true. I'm like, now when I have breakdowns, I don't feel suicidal. But there was a time when I did. And I think to me, I look at the growth there, even though it's like, I would love to never feel bad. I don't know that that's really possible. But instead of feeling like um, I need to get a place of pure happiness, I'm realizing that actually pure happiness is being able to create safety for yourself, which means good days, bad days, you are still you. Like you don't feel like you're losing yourself. Um, and how do I get out of it is sometimes I don't like, I don't, I trust if that makes sense. Like, I don't always think there's something I can do just like the storm comes. You just have to like stay inside until it's done. But I trust that my body and the brain and the, my, whoever designed my, you know, my functions created me in a way that is going to try to survive. So if I have an idea yeah. to do something, then maybe I'll, you know, consider it, but then usually it will leave me out. Or if all I want to do is sleep, maybe that's the best thing for me right now. And I kind of trust the body. And if it doesn't work, then next time I don't do that. But you really have to understand like everything your body does, including suicidal thoughts, is trying to keep you alive. And that sounds counterintuitive, but if you only believe you have two options to live badly or to die, your body believes that. And that's why it has those thoughts. So if you have that and you know it's not true, it's good to try to like get out of the binary. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an interesting way to frame that because I think that people do oftentimes whittle it down to a, a binary mm -hmm. choice, this or that, A or B, life or death um, in the, in the, you know, most intense kind of way. Um, but I really like the idea of trusting that it'll pass like thinking about a bad day as like a storm mm -hmm. sometimes there's not much to do other than like you know do puzzles or mm -hmm. whatever people do to pass the time while the storm is outside and you can't do anything um and i think it takes a lot of i, I would say bravery in some kind of way to try to go through the processes of life because things can be very heavy mm -hmm. and feel very heavy all at once and you can't see a way out so just to have that like um this i guess you've had to practice this yeah practice trying to trust yourself <laughs> and to know that it'll pass and then to be proven right at some point when you have a nice day or even just don't feel as bad um, yeah that's, that's true good. it is like kind of like i think about it like going to the gym because uh you have to actively be learning because if you're you know, where you learn is where you're uncomfortable. And I wouldn't push yourself to a situation that's bad. But if you happen to be in one and you know, like your goal is to get out, that's a good time to turn on that learning because it's like, OK, whatever I do now, I should remember this. And if it doesn't work, then I should remember not to do that again. Or I should remember, you know, if it works to do it again. And I think we often get stuck in like the pattern of doing the same thing over and over because we forget that we have the ability to teach ourselves because we there's we don't see the other option but it's like um when you talk about the storm some people will think in order to you know brave the storm you have to stay outside and like 
face it, but you could maybe get an umbrella or go in a house. If you don't have those resources, maybe all you can do at that moment is brave it. But any little thing you can do to ch like actually like interact with the feeling and the environment will give you new information to hopefully get you out of it next time. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Um, does it scare you to have bad thoughts to have like those suicidal thoughts, like you said? Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would love to say like, I'll never get them again, but I I've had those thoughts before and then been like, I cured myself and then they've come back worse. So, but I do feel a lot more confident now because I, what I try to do is build resources. Like I know I can't just be the only safety net for myself and you should never fully lean on anyone else. It's always their right to set up boundaries, but you can set up a network. Like when I do feel bad, it's really hard to ask for help because I always feel like, oh no, it's a burden or they'll feel like they can't say no. But what I now do is um, build a network of like, you know, people who are around who know my situation that I'm like, oh, well, if I'm feeling bad, are you someone I can call? Or can I call you and use a code word and we won't talk about my feelings, we'll just talk about like a movie. And you kind of set yourself up, like they're kind of little patterns actually, like codes. Cause it's mm -hmm. almost like, oh, feeling bad. Like which code should I press? Like I press the button where I call my friend and we and we talk about making cookies and that gets me through the next hour. And if I'm still feeling bad in the next hour, maybe I'll try another code. Um, but when I'm alone and just spiraling, it, it can be very scary because it's like you're consumed and you want to do something to make it stop. So instead of doing the thing that your brain is telling you, I try to do something else and it helps to have like a couple options set up before you feel that bad so that you're like, Oh, well, Let's flip the book open. Oh, see, you know, instead of like, uh, what right. can I do? You know, you're a twin. Yeah. There's some people have said to me that there's like an emotional connection between twins. Uh -huh. <laughs> is it, is that like, huh. I don't know. Is it, is it true? Is that a real thing? Like <laughs> if you're in a good mood, do you know your sister's in a good mood? You know, my, this is really interesting. Or vice versa. My, right. We do feel, we are emotionally connected, but I actually think so la during uh, we lived together uh, last year and then quarantine hit like a month or two into living together and we really clash a lot and not because of like us necessarily. Like I think old wounds from our own lives were coming out at each other, if that makes sense. Like instead of, I say we weren't mad at each other, we were sad at each other because, mm -hmm. you know, you get triggered easily around people your guard is down around, like your family. So I was just like... Anything she said, if it made me feel conflict, it would trigger me or vice versa, even if it wasn't really about like a sponge, you know, not being on the counter. So we made the decision to move out or like we separated because it seemed like a breakup. But I was like, I can see that if we stay to living together through an entire year of fighting, it's going to make us resent each other. And I know we're not doing it because we don't like each other. It's just we can't get past it. So we broke the pattern and she moved out and um, it made things way better. Like we're still, there's still a lot of like our own trauma we have to deal with, but already like it's been way better. And I think that that emotional connection people talk about is maybe leftover trauma bonding from childhood um, that did help us stay safe when we were maybe, maybe when our parents weren't there for us when we were younger. And as adults, we actually had to break it to feel safe alone. So I don't know if that's true for other twins, but for me, I feel that if we had it, it's, 
actually better for us to break it and see each other as real people, like individual adults, rather than feeling so connected. Yeah, that's so fascinating to me because I, I, I know a handful of people who are twins, mm. and I think you might be one of the first who has told me or put such a strong emphasis on recognizing that you're an individual and that they are too, and that you're not just part of some kind of like um, team or unit. <laughs> well, I do see her as you know a support network and sister and team, but in a, in a different way. It's it's hard to. Uh, okay, this is an example I'll give that I think put puts more of a bad light on me because I don't want to you know we all have gotten in fights where it's like we all have our trauma but when we um we did live together before this time when I first moved to LA and that time and I didn't process those patterns because I just thought sisters fight and when I look back that was probably the first sign of like living together we start to things bubble up and she had a boyfriend um towards the end of the time we were living together and she would have him over and like you know roommates sometimes you hear things and it never bothered me in New York City I've lived in many apartments shared rooms it's like and if it ever has bothered me like it's a very quick conversation but it triggered me in a way that I had never expected like and I think what it is is hearing it's just my sister it's just a totally different thing but even that I'm like I should understand she's a person and I want her to be happy. But it definitely um, triggered, I think, an abandonment issue for me, like a feeling that like somebody else is taking my place. And that's not even the conscious thought I had. But when I look back, I, I believe that's why I felt so frustrated with her boyfriend being over. Um, and I also recognize that as a roommate, that's not cool of me. So I recognize both that I had real feelings and that my feelings were irrational but it didn't make it go away. And so that's how I kind of realized like we're probably still hanging on to some like connection from childhood where I don't fully see her as just an adult friend because I would be so happy for my adult friend if they started dating and were having fun, you know, in the bedroom. But it right. really bothered me to a point where I like had to leave and sit in my car. Like I couldn't handle it. So I think um, I want to work to a pl place where that's not, how I react, but I also know it doesn't just happen. Right. I wanted to ask about m meaning mm -hmm. in your life, because that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out is like, what is my life? What's meaningful to me? What does life mean itself? And what is meaningful to me? And, uh, basically that's kind of what I want to ask you is like, what are you, what's important to you? What's like makes you excited and makes you want to keep going? Um, Other than that you have to <laughs> until your body dies in some <laughs> distant future. Interesting. Um, I'm really interested in what spawned your question because for me, I think connections and friendships and this conversation gave, gives my day meaning. Like today mm -hmm. is meaningful because I'm talking to you on your podcast and you're asking me questions and I feel uh, seen and heard and I hope you do too. But what to you, like what I guess do you flip side of that do you feel like your life doesn't have meaning or what's making you ask that no I mean I think um all of that rings true for me um and I think that my struggle sometimes is like yeah I have great friends mm -hmm. and I have lots of wonderful connections and I'm happily married and I love my dog and I talk to my family and I enjoy what I do professionally even if it's not the most rewarding thing at sometimes. <laughs> You know, I don't get all of the uh -huh. things back that I want. 
Um, but then I'm just, sometimes I'm faced with like, so is that it? Mm, the dread, like the, the nihilistic dread. I know that very well. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, so I'm a pretty big skeptic in the sense, I don't try to be cynical, but I think I'm skeptical in that I don't, I know I don't know things. So what is the point of all of this? Mm -hmm. And if someone told me that they feel this way, I'm like, okay, that seems fine. But I'm just trying to basically mm -hmm. find where I fit yeah. in or like what line of thinking do I subscribe to? Yeah. And there's so many things that I've heard already. And I love what you're telling me because it's like everybody's telling me different things that kind of all come down to connections with people. Mm -hmm. And then I come back and I feel all that and I find that. And then I'm like, is that it? Then? <laughs> we just are here yeah. to connect with each other. And then also why? You, What's the point of that? You may have you know, more I of a purpose. You're actually getting close. To so what I would say in a human, but also computer sense is whenever you have a problem, you can't solve, even if you don't know the problem. sounds like you have a question, but maybe it's not the real question. But you're looking for the question. Um, is to get more information, which is what you're doing. You're collecting data by talking to people. So you might it might take a while for you to get more clarity, but I do think the more information you get, the closer you'll get to what you're looking for. So That's what I think. Yeah, and I think you're <laughs> right to do that. But I also think you have more power than you're giving yourself credit for. Like if you were in a simulation tomorrow of life and they're like, do whatever the fuck you want, what's the, what would you do? Mm. Is it the same? Would you do something different? I don't know. Is there something you would do in a simulation that... Low I think what I would try... It would be tr what I would try not to do almost. <laughs> what do because you mean? Because anytime I've really felt bad in my life uh -huh. is when I have hurt people. Hmm. Feelings or like, you know, I punched someone once. That wasn't nice. Um, there's... Hmm. It's like... Those things, I think, stick out to me. I think I'm like okay. really, like negative things really attach to my brain a lot. And I don't want to feel them or whatever. Ooh. And, you know, we all try to process those things. But I think if you'd say, what would you do? I'd be like, well, I would mostly do what I'm doing now. But I would just try to be, I guess, more confident and then not hurt anybody. Okay. This is really interesting because I recently did some, people call it shadow work. I don't know, whatever. It's, I'm not religious. So for me, I just call it looking into the darkness. But those feeling the negative thoughts of like, oh, those like random little moments that still feel like heavier than they should be. I do think that that's maybe where you can get more data because I you are a good person, but also everyone has moments like that. And I think realizing that it's life isn't a point system. But if you are stuck on some negative thing, the only way to get past it is to actually like look at it. I did this thing where I went through because I was starting to feel like oh, I'm getting too cocky with my talk about self-worth and love that I was like, I need to look at where I'm maybe lying to myself. So I wrote down pretty much like the, any lie I could think of that I told myself. And some of them are silly, but all the ones where I felt like I was right to be mad at this person, instead of focusing on them, I focus on like, well, where's my lie? Like, oh, okay, I was mad at this person, but also I told them I respect them because they were, I was, you know, like, because I was trying to get through to them, but Obviously, I don't because if I did respect them, I would actually stick around and watch them change and help them grow. And there's thing, and that's okay. But I think I just had to let go of like, you know what? There are things I feel, and it actually for me, it was just I don't need to maintain this image that I'm perfect. I can be like, well, I made a you know bad decision to be in this situation, and instead of feeling like I did nothing wrong and they 
you know, everyone's a villain. I had to go, well, what did I do wrong? I probably ignored red flags here and there, here and here. And so that shadow work helped me then to feel free of like the mistakes or those feelings of like, I would do this differently because it helped me learn. I don't have to go back and do it differently. Today is a new day. And I now know how to do today differently. Yeah. So you're, so go back and write all of your secrets in the diary. You can burn it after, but you have to look at them. You have to like look at everything that you've, even the ones you feel like aren't true, but you've thought like I'm a bad person or I'm this, like write them all down. It's actually good if they feel ridiculous, but write down all of those thoughts and then burn it. But if they don't exist, if they only exist in your mind, then you're going to forever feel like you're a secret keeper of your own secrets and you can't move on from them. Yeah. That's really great. I think that's really helpful to a lot of people who are going to be like, well, what do I do? What is the thing? Because I'm a very active person. I always mm. feel like I need to do something. And I think having tasks like that <laughs> to connect to your brain and step outside of yourself and let mommy drive the car, <laughs> as you were put it, uh -huh. um, is really helpful. Oh, thanks. I mean, so, I, that's yeah, I mean, and for anyone listening, I, I very much am still dealing with the ups and downs. So I think it's okay. Okay, I don't know that it'll ever go away, but you do get better at driving. I don't know. Is that metaphor right still? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it works. I think it's just that, like, I think it's like, you know, I was doing therapy and it was like cognitive behavioral mm. therapy and it was about a lot of the same kind of things where it's like you just need to recognize. Yeah. But it's a big part of it is recognizing and then finding, oh, am I making this bigger than it is? Am I making assumptions here? You know, there's a lot of, a lot of different ways to deal with those things. And I like even framing... What does my life mean? Um, and treating it in, uh, from that viewpoint is really uh, an exciting idea as opposed to just being like, um, you know, looking at the stars and being like, oh, what are we? You know, <laughs> you kind of like look at it as like a problem of like, why do you need this to be solved? But it might be and solved. It just might not be solved now. Like the, the journey yeah, to the yeah. top requires you to take all the steps in between. Very true. Very true. <laughs> Have you ever done EMDR? I, I've never done CBT, but I feel like uh, what is? I don't know what that is. If that's a drug? No, no, no. You're talking about uh, cognitive behavior therapy, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a way, it's like a drug, but it's a. Uh, um, no, I've only done a little bit of therapy, and it was cognitive behavioral therapy, and I really liked my the girl I was talking to, and then she moved out of the state, oh, gotcha. so we couldn't talk about these things in that way anymore legally. Uh, well, you should at least read about EMDR it might be interesting to you or at least just for you to know that it exists but it's um it's like cognitive behavior therapy is a little slower version of this but EMDR just it's like an it's using your natural brain processing but it kind of basically when you're dreaming you know your ra rapid eye movement is supposed to process things from the day but when you go into trauma or shock um some of those memories stay and they don't get processed like fight or flight or freeze and you might live with them in your body for a long time. So EMDR is a way to go into those memories. And it sounds hokey, but it's really effective. And I started doing it a year and a half ago, which I do attribute more than acid, really. I attribute EMDR <laughs> to a lot of the healing I have. Um, but they just, you work with a licensed psychiatrist and they basically in, get you to like kind of hold these pulsing things that um, mimic the right left side of your body the way you would do when you're dreaming and then you go into the memory by just thinking about it and feeling it and you really do feel the sense memory and it feels really intense because some of them are traumatic but the idea is over time like they're guided you actually go in and re you don't reset it but you 
go in with all the knowledge you have now and make yourself feel safe and repeat it until you're able to actually process it instead of keeping it there. And the last time I did it, it was really like transformative because I had like I had to go into like a pretty bad like from a very young I'm not young but like my college days like memory that I really didn't want to look at and when I did I start my therapist was asking like how how do you feel now like every time we went back in and I started feeling like oh it feels like I'm on a hike and this is the hard part but I've done this hike before and I'm like oh man this is the hard part but also that I remember that I've done it and I like the top and it totally changed my view of it because I realized the memory never goes away you don't erase it but you don't have to feel like you're stuck in the bad part and so now if it pops up or I'm triggered I just think oh this is that bad part of the hike so I'm just gonna keep going and and then I'll get to the top and it's nice again and yeah I don't know it really changed the way I view some of these flashbacks and so you rewrite your experience or like find a different way to process it much like a computer yeah. <laughs> i'm becoming a robot ryan is what i'm trying to say i love it i love it you're you're much nicer looking than a scary boston dynamic I ca- like you look like you would be a, a friendly robot well this is my mask so you know it's <laughs> yeah you just rip it off and it's terminator face <laughs> Teresa, thank you for doing this and um thank you for your time yeah thank you for having me this was so fun i love talking about this stuff so uh, me too. I think I'm learning a lot and I, I just am really appreciative of the people that are, are willing to talk to me. So thank yeah. you. Can I plug my, um, can I plug? Some oh stuff? yes, of course. I'm only asking because, I mean, not to just be, please, because, please. because specifically I talk this, a lot of this stuff I talk about, um, on my OnlyFans, which is for singularity chats. And I, I call it brain nudes because it's not that funny. And I really love talking about this. So I realized like, instead of feeling embarrassed for talking about the world and my feelings and trauma I put it behind a paywall so anyone who wants to see it can pay for it so I don't feel guilty um but yeah I have an OnlyFans OnlyFans.com slash Teresa Lee and I post a lot of diary entries I read video essays about trusting yourself and intuition and it's really the kind of thing that we're talking about today but um doesn't belong on the main because it's not full of punchlines fantastic thank you thank you Teresa (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, head to patreon.com slash Ryan Beck and follow me at at I am Ryan Beck on Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to check out my other podcast, Falling in Love with My Wife, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks. The Meaning of Life is produced by Ryan Beck, edited by Ryan Beck, and the music is by Shakir Stanley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>